Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Well, we got a little cold snap, didn't we? Walk to the radio here through some flurries. Whoa, that was an abrupt end to, to fall and summer, wasn't it? Well, what are you going to do? You're going to travel through cookbooks. That's what you're going to do. Fall is also known as cookbook season for those of us that live well indoors. Um, so here's who we've got on the show today. Steve Cook. He's half of the Cook and Solo restaurant partnership that seriously dominates Philadelphia. So many restaurants he has. He has Percy Street Barbecue, Zahav, uh, Federal Donuts, all these, all of these restaurants. And I have talked to uh, his business partner, the chef, Michael Solomonov, and I thought, Steve Cook, I thought you were just the money guy, but you are more than the money guy. I have read more about you. My Steve Cook eyes are open. You're, you used to be a money guy, but now you're a food guy. Welcome to the show. Thanks very much, Dara. It's great to be here. All right. First of all, I do I have to ask about that. You used to be a money guy? I did. I, I uh, was a graduate of Wharton here in Philadelphia, and I worked on Wall Street for the first six years of my career. Um, and I always, I always joke that the, I loved the hours, but the, there was just too much money. So I traded that <laughs> in for a career in food where the hours are the same and the, the, uh, the compensation is, is a lot less. But I, I, do love, I do love what I do now, which is uh, you know, something I couldn't say when I was working in finance. Well, restaurant world is a, is a friendly place for second career people. My dad was a Wall Street guy, and you know, just the the suits and ties, the billion hours, the stress. the The only thing I liked about Wall Street was the dark humor. <laughs> well, it's you know, it's like anything. I think if you if you love what you're doing, it sort of doesn't matter what you're doing, but. Uh... Uh, you know, I was fortunate to work for some people on Wall Street who just absolutely loved loved the job, independent of the of the money. And and then you um, told them, I, "I reject all your values. I'm out." Exactly, exactly. <laughs> and, and they still and, and they still invested in our restaurants even <laughs> after that. So, oh, that's the secret. So, that's right. Yeah, got to make friends with rich people. I was thinking you have the rare skill set in uh, <laughs> uh, to be able to read a. a balance sheet and all that because i do know a couple of restaurant chefs who have been you know unfortunately swindled by their bookkeepers because they just were so kind of checked out of the of the business side of things it's really hard i mean everybody knows how or you know everybody knows how hard of a business it is and you know i think having that background helped me i mean when i was a chef though the first restaurant i didn't i didn't pay you know you, you don't have time when you're in the kitchen to pay attention to the numbers so i think the partnership that that mike and i have um, that's one of the reasons that it, it works really well, um, but it's a tough business. And you have, I guess what we'll say is a diversified portfolio. I look at your <laughs> restaurants. You have, a, you have a fried yeah. chicken shack, a, a, you know, a, a 
the donut concept. You've got a, a really nice thing where it gives money to the food and money to the community. And you have Zahav, which has really kind of tilted the the fine Middle Eastern food conversation in this country. Um, the reason I got you on the show today, Interrupt Your Busy Life, is because of your new book. It's called Israeli Soul. And I just flip over this book. It is a giant coffee table book that just seems to like a like you've gone on vacation, you open it, and there's so these pictures and all these glimpses all over Israel. Uh, you did this with the magazine legend Dorothy Kalins. Yeah, um, yeah. Tell me, Living tell me legend. about this book. So this is a follow up to to um, the Zahav cookbook, which came out a few years ago, and that was really Zahav turned ten this year, and um, was really when we first opened in 2008. There really wasn't. I think Americans really didn't understand what. Israeli cuisine was all about. And that book was really looking at it through the prism of, of a restaurant here in Philadelphia. And what Israeli soul tries to do is sort of take the conversation over to Israel. The book is really like as much of a travel guide as it is a collection of recipes. We, we talk to a lot of restaurateurs, um, you know, from, you know, from street cart to sort of fine dining over there and tried to really tried to get under the hood of what Israeli cuisine is all about and what makes the food scene in Israel tick. Yeah, it's uh, I got to say like when I first when I first when it landed on my desk I was like, "Oh god, more Israel." Like could I have like it just, <laughs> you know, as a as a person who consumes a fair bit of news, you just get Middle East fatigue because it seems like a, you know, it's a, a just a, a plate of spaghetti where everybody's in war with everybody and you you just kind of can't make heads or tails of it. It was so refreshing to to get a, a glimpse of the society beyond the headlines. And that's, I think, a big part of what, we're, what we've always tried to do, which is to present Israel in a way that you don't normally see it on the news. I mean, it's a complicated country, but it's there's so much beauty there that gets overshadowed, unfortunately, by a really complicated situation politically. Yeah, I mean, it's a complicated situation. As I'm talking to you, all the all the news is, you know, throbbing with this terrible tragedy about the journalist uh, Khashoggi who is who is killed. And and you, um, you know, I am an American. I'm busy. I got kids. I got all the things going on. Like I really never have time to untangle what is happening. And I think that I, I think I speak for a lot of people. It's like you want to be on the on the on the side of the good guys, you want there to be peace, you want there to be happiness, and there doesn't seem any way to you know shift the 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 increasing anger that's been there my whole life. I mean, I've never heard of the Middle East except in context of you know it's a a war. But you've got you've got all kinds of uh, glimpses and and ways of extending compassion and knowledge and insight into. A world that we just we don't ha- we don't see. I mean, it's really a hopeful book, and it's beside for being this amazing travel travel guide. It really made gave me a sense of like why this is worth wading into, and why everything is worth uh, you know just not throwing up your hands in despair and putting a blanket over your head. Well, I'm I'm glad you feel that way because we you know this may sound like naive or hokey, but I mean I think food is something that brings people together. Um, the fact is that Israelis eat a lot of the same foods that, you know, their neighbors eat in that region of the world. And, you know, I think that we've always felt like 
hospitality is something that, you know, as much as, as much as we come from a food background and the food is important to us, it's really, it's really about bringing people together around the table and seeing humanity in, in someone through sharing food with them that you might not necessarily be able to see in other contexts. Yeah, that's, I mean, that that hokey premise is exactly why I've dedicated my life to, so it, it can't yeah. be too <laughs> hokey for me. Uh, you know, we, we have to find a way to come around a table, you know, uh, I prefer a dinner table to a conference table, and work things out. Um, so tell me about the actual making of this book. You guys went to Israel and just... Ate everything in sight, right? Tell me about that. That sounds like kind of a dream trip, kind of a, a difficult march. Yeah, it's. It, I think it. You, I think you nailed it. I mean, we we were there for eight days. Uh, we ate at eighty-two different restaurants. So, um, you know, that might not sound like it, but that's that's hard work. That's eight restaurants a day. Work. I can do simple that's, math. You can do that. <laughs> um, and we and we brought a team. You know, we brought our whole team over. So you mentioned Dorothy Kalins, who is a a, a magazine legend and a book legend, and she really she produced the book um, and brought everybody together. And this is the third book we've done with the same designer, Don Morris, and our friend Mike Persico, the photographer. And what I thought was cool uh, about shooting the book in Israel, in particular, was you know Mike Persico had never been to Israel before. So I think when you're looking in these photographs, you're seeing Israel through the eyes of someone who hadn't been there before. And I think that comes through. And I think for people that haven't been there, and they it, it, this book, in a way, can help them, can really help place them there and give them a, a, an insight into what it's like being over there, you know, outside of what you see in the day-to-day news. Yeah. So I, it was, yeah. It can, it, uh, the Dorothy Kalin thing, so she's, a, for magazine nerds like me, she's a just a hero and a legend. I've met her a few times. She started the magazine Savor, which really... Its change on the food culture in this country was really profound. I mean, she brought photography into this, and, and you know, some people she was working with at the time brought photography into this new way. Whereas before, it used to be like, oh, photo- a photo of a you know, you put a you put a falafel sandwich under hot lights in a studio, and you make it look as beautiful as possible. And and she was a person who had the insight of like, no, just do it like you do it. You know, put it in your hand, put it in you know in front of a person. And just made food come alive, and that influence through is just throughout the book. I mean, you just see um, the places where the food is being eaten, as well as the food, and that changes everything. It totally does. I mean, Dorothy is. I mean, in addition to being a dear friend, she is a legend, and I think her mark is all over this book. And her her philosophy about you know the way that food should be presented, I really think does dovetail nicely with you know, Mike and, and, and my philosophy that we, you know, that that we build our restaurants around, which is, you know, in a world of sous vide and, you know, Instagram, perfect pictures of food, we, I think, tend to go the other way, which is we'll just put delicious food on a plate. Um, it doesn't, you know, it matters what it looks like, but that's not the most important thing. And so I think that really comes through in the book. I mean, the food in Israel is soulful, uh, hence the title. And, I think it's really presented, you know, this is what, when you go over there, what you see in the book is what you get. Okay. So for people that haven't cooked much Middle Eastern food or Israeli food, what do you, where do you, you tell them to kind of start? Where's the the entry point for a person who wants to know more, but doesn't know that much? 
Well, I think a great, I mean, especially with this book, a great place to start is with the hummus recipe. Mm-hmm. Um, we had a recipe for hummus in our first book, Zahab, which is the recipe that we use not only at Zahab, but in our little offshoot called Dizengoff, which only serves hummus and fresh pita. Um, and it's an easy recipe, uh, but it does take a little bit of advanced planning because you've got to soak the chickpeas overnight. You've got to cook the chickpeas. But So we wanted to really create something that you could do on the spur of the moment that was much better than, you know, what you can buy in the supermarket. And so we came up with this idea of five-minute hummus, which is it literally you can make it in five minutes. Um, there's very little, you know, there's no cleanup afterwards except for the bowl of your food processor. Everything is all the – we built the we built the whole recipe around one jar of tahina because one of my pet peeves is like – it's like measuring peanut butter. You know, it's, it's a me- – when you have to measure a certain quantity of tahina out of a jar, it's a mess. And invariably, you're left over with a portion of that jar that is just forever useless. So it and then it's going to go thing. bad, and then you're annoyed. It's annoying, right? So, and and it, and it's just you have you have tahina all over your kitchen. So we were like, let's build a recipe around the standard package of tahina. You literally open the jar, you dump it in your food processor, um, throw it away. Two cans of drained chickpeas, uh, a lemon, some salt, some cumin a little bit of garlic and some ice water and you just let it go. And um, in five minutes you have something that is, I think, pretty, pretty exceptional. And, and it takes, well, and, and hummus is, you know, it's a lot of us don't, it's hard for us to appreciate the fact that it, hummus is a meal. It's not a, it's not a snack that people eat over there. Over there, people eat it as a meal. They eat it for breakfast, they eat it for lunch. And you can put almost anything on top of it because it's, it's, you know, it's not, it's it's rich and sort of a neutral canvas. So you put a few ounces of ground lamb with baharat and pine nuts, or you put some roasted carrots, um, or some, you know, when corn is in season, you can put some roasted corn on top. I mean, it really kind of goes with everything. So in, you know, here around here, we tend to just have it as like a, a dip for veggies. But there's, in true cuisine, like you can do all these things to it. I'm always amazed at the, at the you know, nuts on top of it or different, you know, oils, layers of cheese, like all kinds of uh, ways to make it quite uh, fancy. It's, it's, it's a, it can be a rich special food. I mean, especially when it comes right out of the food processor, it's never been refrigerated. I mean, the, what they have to do to almost to make it shelf stable in the supermarket is, I mean, I, I eat my fair share of that too, and it's it's good, but it's a totally different product than this sort of rich, creamy thing that's sort of warm from the from the motor of the food processor. And um, we built a whole restaurant around thinking of different things to put on top of it. Um, and it's a, it's healthy. Uh, it's it's really a perfect food, in my opinion. All right. Well, the book is full of many other. Perfect Foods. Uh, it's Israeli Soul. Steve Cook, hey, this is fun to talk to you. Thanks for coming on the show. This was great. Thank you so much for having me. you got to oh. come to Philly and uh, and uh, and come to Zahav. I would love to. My mom went to school in Philadelphia, and it's been a, a goal of ours to get there for years. So, Mom, if you're listening, maybe let's make that trip. Uh, okay. Awesome. Steve Cook, thank you so much. Thank you. All right. When we come back, I'm going to have a whole bunch of these recipes, including... That, that hummus. I don't, I've been saying it wrong my whole life, apparently. We're going to have that hummus recipe when we come back. Dara here. Oh, that was fun. All right, so that book, I, I can't get into the text line today because Stevie T is not here to let me in. I got to get a 
going to get a new password on this system, I think. But uh, so I can't ask you what you're cooking. I'm dying to know. All right. So this is what we've got up at WCCORadio.com. We have, I thought, in honor of this Israeli soul cookbook. That's right. It's called Israeli Soul. That's I know the question that's on the text line that I can't get into. By Michael Solomonov and Steve Cook. All right. So in order to kind of get your get your thrills, get your cooking into a better place, we've got a bunch of recipes. So the first one is from the new book. It is stuffed eggplant. There's so many things to do with eggplants in the Middle East. I mean, like I didn't realize it's like you kind of don't think about something you just totally see in front of you. And then all of a sudden your mind just is like, oh, look, as potatoes are to uh, Ireland, eggplants are to the very eastern part of the Mediterranean. So many eggplant possibilities. So there's a stuffed eggplant where you're going to take some ground lamb. I get mine locally. I love Minnesota lamb. That is just something that is underrated. And then add this merguez spice blend. You use a little, only a little bit if you're kind of spice phobic. Uh, and then a couple more things, and you've got the most beautiful stuffed eggplant. You can have a dinner party, get your get your peeps around you, have a nice Syrah, raise a glass. That's a that's nice. All right, so we talked a little bit with Steve Cook about making your own hummus, but what about making your own twice-cooked eggplant dip? See, I'm telling you, the eggplant, so many interesting eggplant ideas. So I get mine a lot of times just from the co-op I, from Gardens of Salonica, that terrific Greek restaurant in Northeast. They make a good one. But uh, this one is very nice. So you really, it's really next level. You get some sherry vinegar. Uh, some dusky smoked paprika. Make this dip. Put it on a cheese board with a big slab of feta and some pita bread. That's that's nice. Your friends are going to be happy. Then roast lamb. What about roast lamb? I was at In Bloom, the new f- so fancy restaurant in St. Paul and 7th Street in the Keg and Case Marketplace. 25-foot fire hearth. They cook everything on fire. Remarkable. That is a warm, warm place to stand. I'll tell you what, the cooks that work that line are, they're like something out of a Disney movie, like just standing there throwing logs into an enormous fire. But anyway, so they had this fire-roasted venison leg, and it was so beautiful. And then I saw this roast lamb leg or or lamb shoulder recipe, and I was just kind of like, yes, that's what we're going to do to stay warm. We're going to cook things around fire. Yes, yes, that's what we are going to do. All right, got two more. Got two more recipes for you this fine, chilly morning. The Federal Donuts Fried Chicken. I could not believe that Steve Cook had shared this recipe. Like, this is the this is their moneymaker. But we have the recipe. It is online at WCCORadio.com. It's, uh, the secret is cornstarch. So much cornstarch. It makes that kind of shattering, crisp crust. And the last of our top five recipes for the week is a Moroccan carrot dish. You're going to cook the carrots. You're going to braise the carrots. You might want this for Thanksgiving. You might be thinking, I want to up my Thanksgiving game. My carrot situation is lacking. So the way they serve this is they serve it cold. So you can make it in advance and serve it cold. You could also serve it warm. I'm I'm bringing the miracle insights your way here this morning. All right, when we come back, we're going to kick off football season with an important New Orleans chef who's coming to town to cook for the 
the Taste of the NFL Party with a Purpose next weekend. Uh, so we'll talk about that when we come back. Dara here. All right. So it's not just football season. No, it's more than that. It's Taste of the NFL season. So you know about the the hunger-fighting charity run by Minnesota's own Wayne Kostrowski. Uh, so in honor of – it's called Taste of the NFL. So in honor of the New Orleans Saints versus Minnesota Vikings game next weekend, next Sunday, there's going to be a big Taste of the NFL fundraising dinner at the Bloomington Sheraton on Saturday night. It's the party with a purpose. The tickets are still available. I put a link on my Facebook. We'll tweet one out, too. Uh, it's a really cool event, and it's not just because you get to hang out with important football folk like Bob Lertzma, Brooks Bollinger, Hall of Famer Carl Eller. Even I know Carl Eller, and I'm not good at football, as you know. There's going to be Matt Burke is there and Pete Bursich. And then uh, there's all the people I do know about, the big, big chefs. Thomas Bomer from Corner Table and In Bloom Thomas Orbison of Layla. I just went to the brunch there at Layla in Bloomington. It was amazing. And our visiting star, Chef Adolfo Garcia from New Orleans. He owns so many important restaurants in Louisiana, including Amano, La Boca, Hi-Hat. He has been called one of the best Latin chefs in America. He is famous, and he's on the line. Chef Adolfo Garcia, welcome to the show. Hey, good morning. How are you? I'm good. I'm happy you're here. Hey, tell me about this. You're coming north. Yeah, we're uh, we're actually um, going to be there this weekend, and we're really excited. We're taking up some Louisiana seafood. Oh, you are? What are you bringing? We'll bring all kinds of stuff. We're going to have a little crab meat. Maybe we'll have a little shrimp. We're actually bringing some um, Louisiana caviar. So we're going to have, like, a... A nice little dish where you can uh, taste uh, three different Louisiana seafood uh, products we're, that we're so proud of down here. Louisiana shrimp is delicious. We don't get much of it up here, but it is it is good stuff. Definitely. We're very proud of our product, and, uh, and you know, this is a great venue to feature it. And we get some people from Minnesota eating some Louisiana seafood, and, and we do some uh, some good charitable work. Where is the caviar? What kind of fish does that come from? It's a uh, shupik. Uh, shupik is a is a fish that's similar to a sturgeon um, because it's kind of prehistoric, and it grows here in the bayous in Louisiana. And they've been developing this product for, golly, a good twenty, thirty years. And and I think they got it down pat now. Uh, it's some really good uh, fish roe uh, with just the right amount of salinity and um, and a nice little pop. Uh, I think it stands up to pretty much uh, any uh, caviar from around the world. Oh, I've never had that. That sounds, you know, the the sustainable local caviar has been a holy grail in the food community for a long time. Uh, so that that's pretty cool. All right, let's talk oh, about there, the. Are you going to be at the dinner? I'm going to try. I'm going to try to make it. I got a bunch okay, of well, work to do. Maybe I'll, I'll give you a nice little spoonful of it. You know. Oh, very cool. <laughs> All right, so let's talk about the the purpose behind the party with a purpose. It's to it's to raise money for uh, hunger to fight hunger. Correct, and uh, you know, as, as chefs, you know, we're always feeding people uh, in our restaurants. But you know, typically, my, I myself try to always work with charities that that go out of their way to uh, to feed people in need and people that are you know 
in uh, in situations where food is uh, is an issue with security. Yeah, because it's always, I mean, that's always top of mind when you're in food world. You know, we're very often, you know, surrounded by food. Like, there's so much of it. And then you, you know, actually look at the country and the so many Americans are food insecure, so many seniors, so many children. And it's just like, how can I have so many cupcakes and people have so few? Agreed. Agreed. And, you know, and, and, and when we do these events, you know, that's that's the, the, the most important thing that we think of is how, how we can help, you know. And, and I think when people come out and they support and they buy tickets to events like this, you know, they're they're actually getting a meal and, and they're helping someone down the line. Yeah, it makes a huge it makes a huge difference. And one of the things I love about the taste of the NFL and the party with a purpose is that you kind of bring all of it, right? You bring the fun. You bring the cool people. And then you bring the good food. And that's a party that we want to be at. Exactly. I mean, I want to be there. And I'm, and I'm there already. <laughs> oh. um, all right. So this is Chef Adolfo Garcia in New Orleans. Well, thank you so much. Give me one update. What's going on in New Orleans food right now? Well, I'll tell you, the city uh, is doing well. We've, um, we've I think... Uh, we're in a we're in an age of uh, kind of a new era for restaurants in New Orleans. Uh, you know, here in New Orleans, everything is uh, post Katrina and pre Katrina. Since the storm, since Katrina, uh, there's been a lot of young chefs coming up and really uh, putting their stamp on the uh, culinary scene, um, using you know Louisiana as a base, but also bringing in other foods that we never had in the city. Um, you know, it's that next generation, those young up and coming chefs, the ones that, uh, that are biting at my heels, you know, cause I'm getting old, I'm getting <laughs> long in the tooth here, you know, but we got all these young kids that are really, uh, doing some exciting stuff in Louisiana. Yeah. Is it hard to find cooks down there? It is so hard up here. There's just a constant war for, for cooks. I think, I think it's a national trend. Uh, we see it all around. Um, in New Orleans, we have a great pool of cooks uh, that have, you know, been around for generations, and then all the new guys that are coming in because they want to work in New Orleans. They want to be associated. They want that on their resume. They want to say they work at some of the famous places in New Orleans, and, and, and also they love living here because this is a very kind of um, a, a town for, for young people, you know, in their 20s and 30s because they have a good time. It's, it's fun. And, um, you know, so, so we're kind of lucky, and I think also... You know, I've been in this game for so long. I have people that have been with me for years and years, and, and I don't struggle that much. But but it's it's always it's always a little bit of a struggle to find people. You know, uh, interesting. It's a it's an amazing food town. I'm really excited that you're bringing you're bringing the delicacies as well as your great talents north. This is a I know if you picked them, this stuff is going to be good. So, Chef Adolfo Garcia, thank you so much. Well, thank you. I'm so excited to be in uh, in Minneapolis, St. Paul area, and I'll be doing some eating while I'm up there too. Oh, you! Oh, it's a good time. We're in peak harvest. This is like everything that you want to eat is here. I'm so excited. I'm going to be eating at uh, with Chef Gavin over at Spoon and Stable, which I've heard so much about. Oh, fancy! And, He's um, getting you a table, huh? That's good luck. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> personally got me uh something it got me a little in on there so i'm really excited and of course i'm gonna go check out some uh, other great spots in uh, minneapolis 
All right. Well, we are happy to have you. Try to get some wild rice while you're here. It's uh... Okay. <laughs> right. Great. Thanks for having me. And, and come on, guys. Come out and support us over at Taste of the NFL. We're going to have some great food. We're going to have a great time. We're going to hang out with some football players. Yes, it's really cool. And everybody gets to take pictures. And it's, it's just a fun time. Yeah. All right. Excellent. Great. Well, thank you, Chef. You have a good day now. All righty. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right, everybody. So that is the big, that's our kickoff to this season, right? So it's the Taste of the NFL. You can go um, get onto that website. You can get to the Kick Hunger Challenge website. I put a link to the tickets on my page. It's next weekend, Saturday the 27th. You can hang out with Hall of Famer Carl Eller. You can eat caviar from Louisiana. Come on. That's deluxe. That's a good, that's a good time. I hope I will see you there. Uh, when we come back, we're going to get a nice Ask Me Anything segment. And Stevie T came in. He got the text line up for me. So text me, 81807. I will answer your questions. I would love to know what you're cooking. Are you busy cooking things? That's a fun way to be warm inside. And I'll do all that when we come back. Dara here. All right. So we've got a couple. This is the time where I answer your questions. This is fun. It is the Ask Me Anything segment. All right. So I got a question. As long as you're talking hummus, can you freeze it? I just had some delicious pumpkin chipotle hummus a friend made. Well, that's some nutrition. Look at that. Getting your pumpkin, your bright orange vegetables are so healthy with uh, all those vitamins and antioxidants. Look at you. Good for you and your friend making life healthy. All right. So can you freeze it? I would say yes. It will probably not be, you know, quite as vibrant. That's the nature of freezing things. But I'm going to guess that your friend used canned pumpkin because unless your friend's really an accomplished cook, just out there making, getting pumpkins and roasting them. So you probably, uh, it probably wouldn't, if you're using canned pumpkin, I would tend to guess it won't make too much of a difference. But, um, yeah, there's there's some things you can't freeze, a lot of things you can. All right, so I got some from last weekend. Uh, we got one from Karen in Hudson who was peeling apples. I'm going to guess she was making pie. That's nice. What would, what would make today cozier is a nice homemade apple pie. There are so many apples in the store right now. This is one of my favorite times to be a Minnesotan. You may think like, oh, it's so cold. I hate the cold. I think that too because that is a true fact. I'm not ready for it. I, it's that kind of thing where it's like if it when it's 36 degrees in March, I'll be, be taking my coat off. I'll be like, it's so warm. But right now I'm not hardened yet and I just can't. Uh, but if we didn't have the cold, we couldn't have apples It's truth. If we're just living in Florida, no apple trees in our yard. We have none of this. There's so many apples. Um, I think I write personally, I own like Harrelson's and Sweet Tango's, uh, chestnut crabs and fireside apples. Like it's it's a good time. This is the the top week for all that. All right. So we were talking about um, feeling good about eating things, how it makes you feel like you're taking care of yourself taking care of your people, doing it all. And I had a note last week, uh, feeling cozy and virtuous when I start the process by soaking those shimmery black beans in a big red bowl for black bean chili. That is the best, right? You, the, 
bagged beans. Like if I could do wave my magic wand, change one thing in the world, then every high school student and junior high student would do home ec. And one of the things they would learn is how, you know, a dollar fifty worth of a bag of beans brings you so much food and nutrition, so healthy for you, the high fiber. If you want to like one change that you can make in your diet, people are always saying, oh, you should eat more nuts. Well, that's a nice thing to do, but holy, holy, holy moly. If you can get um, some cooked beans in your diet every week, that is just a fantastic, that is a fantastic thing, fantastic thing in terms of health, uh, fantastic thing in terms of um, economic impact. I mean, and helping the bean farmers who don't get enough support. I don't know. They didn't see that coming. All right. So, uh I got another one. It was making a big pot of white chicken chili and baked an apple crisp and have cranberry scones about to come out of the oven. My goodness. Are you a restaurant? How are you have so much? How do you have so much excellence coming out of one kitchen? You're making cranberry scones and apple crisp and a big pot of chili. You're a hero. That's what you are. Um, ha- um, only my only regret is you didn't send me your address because I'd be driving over there. That is uh, delightful. <laughs> All right. So next week, what do we got going on? We've got cooking royalty on the show. The real Dory Greenspan. You ever bake a cake from a book? Then chances are you baked a cake from a Dory Greenspan book. She has been kind of a center of the world of cookbook publishing. For a long time, and she has this new book, and it's called uh, uh, Dory at Home, and it's just got all the stuff that she makes when she's like in between making cakes. That is a that is a true thing. Like the weird thing about being in food is that you you know you sit down, and you have to you have to taste you know, forty Cabernet Sauvignons, and all of a sudden all you want is a beer. Or if you have to sit down and taste like forty IPAs, then all of a sudden all you want. Is a is some wine. It's a there's something about your something about your 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 wiring makes you crave the thing you don't have. Oh, is that a is that an existential thing about life that I just made there? Could be, could be. All right, I got a uh, I got a question on the hard boiled egg front. As always, hard boiled eggs very good for you, delightful. What's the best way to do it? What I like to do is take the eggs, put them in a pot. Cover them with cold water. So now you've got your refrigerated eggs and your cold water. Or, you know, just whatever. Not like ice water or anything. Just the whatever comes out of the tap. And then bring that all to a boil and then just turn it off. That is that is what I have evolved as the best possible way to make hard-boiled eggs. And the issue about peeling them, that has to do with whether the eggs are old or young. So oh, eggs that are two, three weeks old are way easier to peel than your fresh eggs. And it doesn't have to do with the way that you boil them. It has to do with the freshness of the eggs. Um, another quick one. I got a question uh, looking for a hostess gift. Well, oh, you know, Golden Fig in St. Paul or one of the – a lot of the stores, even Lunds and Byerly's, they all have local foods now. I think you can find maybe some, some local chocolates. That is a good thing to do. All right, so next week again, uh, we'll have Dory Greenspan here. I'm going to try not to make, you know, squeaky noises when I talk to her because I'm going to be so excited. <laughs> and I hope that you are here with me. Uh, so till next week, may your, may your eggplants char and your sprouts never wilt. 
and I will see you here next week on Off the Menu. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.